Welcome to today's message from Refuge Point Church. We would love for you to join us for one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play. Now, here's today's message. Outstanding. All right, so uh, I want to lead off with a couple of disclaimers. Um, one of them's not even a real quality disclaimer. Here you go. Uh, one of the things that I'm picky about with my students um, kind of in my classroom is plagiarism. You don't take credit for ideas that aren't yours. Now, the downside of this is I know the idea that got me thinking in the direction that, that kind of brought me to this morning uh, wasn't mine, but I don't remember whose it was, where, or when I got it. Uh-oh. Could be a sermon I watched on YouTube, or a podcast, or a book, or an article, or a conversation. I just have this this real solid suspicion that it wasn't just like my brain. So anyway, that's as much as we get there. Uh, the other disclaimer I want to add is uh, this is going to come across at times as really, really critical of kind of uh, the theologian and seminary set. It does not mean to be that way. Those people are 100% necessary. I, I just think that we have a tendency uh, for the rest of us to assume that we need to be them in order to do anything. So uh, here's kind of a, a hint of where I'm going. If you call up to Troop High School on a Friday afternoon, let's just say hypothetically at 4 o'clock, <laughs> And I'm walking, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm walking from the mailroom out, and the phone rings in the front office as I'm coming through. Let me tell you the assumption that goes in my head. That's not my department. That's above my pay grade. That's not like I'm not gonna let it ring, man. Let it ring. And I'm walking back towards my classroom to deal with only that, which is essentially and obviously my set of responsibilities, because Lord knows. Sometimes I'm far enough behind just on those. Um, so I think that we're that, look, and I don't blame you for that part. I mean, I think anyone who's had a job where you're one of the people that works and you work with a bunch of people that maybe don't, all of us have said that's not my department or some variation thereof. This is, we know what's going on. I think we do that in ways that matter uh, a little bit more too. So um, I want to start out by saying that, that a lot of this is based off a thought I've always had, and I didn't admit that I had just because I know that it doesn't like line up with other things I believe, but let me just show you what I mean. Uh, all right, I believe that Jesus did not make mistakes, full stop. Okay. All right? okay. uh, another thing that, that I've always, because I've read the Bible a good bit. Um, in, in the words of Carl off the sling blade, understood most of it. And, um, and, and, uh, and I, I looked at the story, and you know, there's this part where Jesus looks at, at Peter, and he says, you're the rock that I'm going to build the church on. And I always kind of thought he picked the wrong guy. Now, I know he didn't make mistakes, but I never could escape this. I mean, in my head... You had other people, particularly in my head, Paul, uh, which is the other side of what I'm going to talk about this morning, that I thought, like, when you think about what you want to build the church on, right? Like, what are you looking for? And, and Peter is 
fallible and, and he makes really boneheaded comments and, and mistakes and all of this. Paul, there's not a whole lot of that going on. Like Paul is this really kind of clear cut figure. So let me give you Peter's story. So Peter uh -oh. is recruited as a disciple and then he is in a way that, I mean, I can only imagine this is the best way to learn about Jesus. He follows Jesus around for the entire time that Jesus is doing his earthly ministry, yeah. learning these things, and messing up while he's learning about them. We'll see, often on the same page. Uh, and, and then argues with Jesus about what the plan is, denies Jesus, and then just kind of fumbles through the beginning of the church. But then you see, you see Saul or Paul, right? you see really bad dude, right? His sins are really terrible. And, uh, you know, like killing Christians. And then he comes to this moment on the road to Damascus where he realizes that he's made mistakes. And then you see, like, his name changes, and he doesn't make those mistakes anymore. And he's writing, you know, the letters to the church, and he's a foundation of that. And he seems to get everything right, like, bad conversion good like that's clean that's kind of the you look at the old testament with king david where uh you know there's that thing where he learned from his sin and he had to pay the price for that but he didn't go back to it god calls him a man after my own heart and like amen that's amen. the that's the concept of like redemption and stuff like yeah we can get on board with that like and i know that paul wasn't around like while peter was a disciple but jesus like doesn't exist in time the way that you and I do. He knew that Saul or Paul was out there, right? Like, why, why not just like leave that revelation later? Like, I'm gonna, Peter, you're gonna do for now, but then there's gonna be this other guy, and he's a better running back, so I want you to hand it off when he shows up. Uh oh. Right? Like, why, why didn't he do that? And, and I know that, like, so I've always, you know, not like struggled, like, it hasn't kept me up at nights, but I always kind of wondered, like, that seemed a better choice. Why didn't Jesus make that one? Uh, and, and so I want to talk, that's kind of where my brain started, uh, started thinking through this. Um, and so, like, if you think um, about the way that, that I think we can relate a little bit more with Peter, which is another thing that I wanted to say before I really get into it. Um, anybody in here killed anyone that was a Christian because you just hated them that much because they were Christians and then you converted yourself? No, that's good. Um, so, like, that's a sin, like, it's not even relatable, right? Like, like it's just like we can think, oh, yeah, Saul is worse than us, but it's not like I can grasp onto Saul's story. Like, yeah, me too, man. We've all been there. All right, so, like, we can't even, but, like, Peter, Peter, you can. Has anyone, like, known that they needed to, to like, say something and be bold about a situation and then just kind of, like, slowly faded into the shadows? Like, that's something we've done. Has anyone had a conversation where they thought they were saying the right thing and then it turns out you hadn't and you really wish you could get that back? Yeah, right, so like all the yeah. things that like Peter's doing, I'm, I, I can absolutely be like, oh, my God. Uh, so it's kind of that Paul's almost a, a bit of a cop-out for us because like even on his bad days are worse than our bad days. So it's not even like really a character that I can identify with. But Peter, man, Peter, he's, uh, he's with me. I'm really, I talk for a living, so the, I don't always, my mind doesn't always stay ahead of my mouth, and I'm always a good candidate for saying something. I have to go back and say, hey, so guys, that thing I reacted to yesterday that way, not the right thing to do. You just have to, like, 
I get it, but like Peter is all the time, like he'll, he'll, he'll stand up and he'll think, I know how to react here. And he'll just look back later and say, I did not do that very well. So, so you think of the, the moment where Peter gets this charge to be the, the, the rock upon which Jesus is going to build the church is when Jesus asks him, all right, so who am I? Uh, and then Peter gives him that answer. Well, I've heard some people say you're this and others say you're that. But like, no, 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 no. My question is, who do you say I am? And Peter says, I, you are the Messiah. And, and Jesus says, huh, that's a sharp guy. The, the, the Spirit of God gave you this wisdom. No one on earth did. You are the rock, and I'm going to build my church on you. All right, so on the same page in my little very tiny print Bible. So it may be on a different page in you know, a Bible that I could actually read, but I refuse to admit that I'm getting older, so we hold with this one. Um, and so the, uh, on the same page, you have, uh, you have Peter, then uh, you kind of, in one of my favorite moments of like reversal, you're the rock I'm going to build my church on, uh, on you. And then he turns around and Jesus says, okay, Peter, let me kind of tell you how this is going to go. In a little while, we're going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to arrest me and they're going to kill me. And Peter says, Jesus, oh, no. terrible idea, not the way that this is supposed to go. Let me kind of talk you through what we think might be a better plan. I'm inventing some of the dialogue there, but this is kind of the way that I would approach it. And Jesus looks at him, and this, is, this strikes me as a really significant rebuke. He looks at Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. If Jesus calls you Satan, bad day. Bad, like your reaction was not good. There's some, so this is, again, same page. This is like same side of one page, one paragraph. This is the next paragraph. All right, and then you have the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus and some of the disciples walk up, and on top of this mountain you have like Moses and Elijah that, that show up, and Jesus is kind of talking with them, and Peter's like, oh, this is it. This is, see, I told Jesus that whole killing thing. Well, let's stay here. This is where we need to be. And, and he, the words that are recorded in the Bible, and I can really, it's one of those things like when you, you ever said something so dumb, when you replay it, you cringe. This would have been that for me if I was Peter. He, he goes to Jesus while he's like on this mountain with, you know, Elijah and Moses. And he says, Jesus, it's good that you brought me here too. <laughs> I know what to do here. And has this whole plot where like, hey, this is maybe where we should stay. This is what this is about. And Jesus has to kind of break it to him. He's like, Peter, you're still way off, man. Like, this is not the plan. This is not the end goal. This is a step along the way to something bigger. You don't see it. Peter is not getting the point. And you see, Paul never has those moments. Paul in Scripture doesn't have these moments where, like, he's way wrong on what he thinks the gospel is about. Yeah. And, and so he seems like a better candidate for building the church, right? Like, he's not constantly messing it up. Like, not constantly messing up seems like a good leadership quality. So why, why is it that Jesus um, does that differently? And the problem for me, and this, it's, a, it's a very small couple of verses in, in Galatians that kind of change the way that you have to read the book of Acts. Um, when, when you read the book of Acts, I, you're probably like me. Um, you start with chapter 1 and then 2 and then 3 and then 4 and you go on through and you read it as one does a book. Okay, It's the book of Acts. And you assume that one thing follows another. And, and to a large extent it does. But there's a strange gap in there that you don't, like it doesn't tell you. 
Like, when I read one chapter, then you start the other one, I assume that chapter happened after the chapter before it. And in the middle of it, that works for a while, but then there's a strange gap. So let me walk you through a couple of things here. All right, so the ascension of Jesus, Pentecost, Peter's preaching the gospel, the believers sharing all things, and Saul's persecution of the church, right? That really bad sin we can't relate to. That all happens in about one calendar year. Starting in about year 30 to 31, all of that, you read it one thing after another, everything flows, everything makes sense. All right? And then Saul's conversion, I always thought like maybe he persecuted the church for just a little while, and Jesus was like, get get it together. Uh, We think that it's about two or three years that he's up to that, and then his conversion happens. So he was at this for a little while. This wasn't like, you know, I lost my temper, killed a couple of Christians. He was at this for, for... what we would call a hot minute. And, and then after that, he's converted. Between Saul's conversion and him kind of actively taking a role in leading the church as it's described in the book of Acts is a gap of 14 years. Now, there's nothing in there that says, and 14 years later, this. It's just kind of you pick up and it starts happening. In the very beginning, uh, uh, the end of chapter 1... Uh, the beginning of chapter 2 in Galatians, and it'll be over by the time you can turn there, so just trust me on it. Um, not the sermon, don't, don't get ahead of yourself, just the reading part. Um, so, the Saul, or then Paul, says that after he was converted on the road to Damascus, he takes three years and just gets away, complete solitude, and, and we think that he's just kind of that's his version of seminary, right? Like, he's just trying to, to learn what he's missed, right? So I've been trying to destroy the church. I've been trying to kill Christians. Turns out now I believe what they believe. I need to go try to figure out exactly what that is, right? So, so I need to figure out what this gospel thing is. And so he takes those three years, and we don't hear anything of him. And then he comes back to Jerusalem, and he doesn't do anything important. He just meets the leaders of the church, has some conversations. Hey, sorry about that thing before. Let me tell you what I'm up to now. And, and then nothing again. And for 14 years after that, the very first thing that you know, just casually is mentioned at the beginning of Galatians 2, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas. And in those 14 years, he goes like, it's about 250, 300 miles over to kind of what is within the borders of Syria now, and he's working with some churches there, but we don't have like an active record of what he's up to, right? There's not a whole lot that survives as far as details. Word gets back to the early church. You see some writings here and there if you, if you try to look for them outside of the Bible. Um, but no, there's not like a, a day-by-day account of what Paul's up to. And so he has 17 years where he does some growing up and maturing that's off the record. Right? Okay. That's a beautiful thing, right? But we don't get that, do we? Nope. So like, we're trying, we're kind of nope. figuring this thing out. Like, the, fun, the bad thing about like building a plane in the air is if you get it wrong, everybody sees you crash. Okay. Uh, all right. So, um, but, but Paul gets this moment where he goes and does his growing up, and it's kind of off camera, and, and you don't see it. Peter didn't get that, does he? See, Peter's called from, to be a disciple, and we have, like, minute records of the little dumb things that he says. And we have little, like, we have record of him denying Jesus. We have record yeah. of him favoring the Jews when they're trying to get 
some of the stuff started with the early church and missing the boat on the Gentile thing for a while. We have like, we know what he did. We know how he messed up. He grew up right in front of our eyes. Amen. And so it's not as clean. And so you would think by that, like, Paul's way is better, right? But see, that's not our experience by and large. Now, like I said at the beginning, some people, seminary is for them. Um, it wasn't for me. I tried. Uh, I, I dropped out after, eh, we'll call it a semester and a half. I didn't officially drop out. I just quit logging on the class. They got the idea. Right? <laughs> I, I think the good people at Asbury pretty well figured out what was going on. I never sent them a letter, but sent them a check. So there's that. Um, but I should have figured it out. I failed the background check when I was going to be admitted. Those warrants got cleared up. That was a, that was a clerical error by the Lee County Justice Department. <laughs> Put the sticker on when you have a tag, just it's easier to, but anyway, um, it's, it's, it's not, uh, I tried, and, and it wasn't that every, that they were doing, like, the questions were good, they were, but the, where I was at at the time was I would go to class, and, um, and log in, and we'd be discussing things like, how aware was Jesus at different stages of his life, as far as that he was the Messiah, that that was his destiny, and how did that play, I mean, and, and, and it's not bad questions. These are interesting conversations. They're conversations worth having. But then I would leave, and I was helping to a, a pastor a church in Beulah. And the sad statement is that the poverty that we were working with and against um, wasn't extraordinary. It's no different than what you see um, in Lynette and in West Point. If the differences are there, it's because most of the homes are mobile. But it's not better or worse. It's just... The same thing. And um, I would get in the, the van that we drove to take um, kids home. Crusty Old St. Peter, coincidentally, was the name of this church van. If you saw her, the name would make sense. It's her and still named Peter. There's a lot of strange things with the van. But, um, but I would drop kids off and you would look and you just kind of get this sense that through neglect or other ways that these children were in homes that were abusive and there seemed like there was so little I could do about it. Okay. And, and I couldn't, like, I would blog back on to class, but the thing that I couldn't get out of my head was my problem wasn't that I didn't know enough, right? That I didn't understand the truth well enough. My problem was that I wasn't able to communicate that into the lives of the people that I was interacting with. Okay. Like, I, I had enough knowledge, but something wasn't working with the way that it was impacting the world around me. See, I didn't need more time secluded on a mountainside somewhere learning the scrolls. Like, I, that, wasn't, that wasn't it for me. But I needed to figure some way that it could kind of work out. Like, and, and so I might like Peter, but I, had, I might like Paul, I mean, brother, but I had the chance to go that direction, to separate myself in a town where people hum hymns as they walk between their houses in the grocery store. Like, I could have done it, and I didn't. Right, I, I saw that and, and, and flinched and came the other direction, but still somehow I fought Peter for, for his shortcomings. And oh, I think that also bleeds into the way that, that we see ourselves. So if we look at this, I ask myself the question. If I could see Refuge Point Church made up of people who said, okay, guys, what we really need to do here is we need to understand the ins and outs of the gospel. I mean, down to minute details. So let's seclude ourselves. All right, we need to we need to just kind of separate for let's you know let's say 17 years. 17 is a good number, 
and um, and, and and let's let's really learn the stuff. Amen. And then we can get out and do something about it. Yeah. All right. Or if I could have us being people that said, okay, there are gaps in our knowledge, but there's a world that needs the knowledge we understand, and we're going to get out there, and we'll learn more as we go. We're not going to stop learning. We will always explore. We will always learn. But we're not going to let the fact that our knowledge is imperfect keep us from going out and doing. All right, so I'd have that church, and it's not even close. Like, if I walked into a church that was taking 17 years sabbatical from interacting with the world to learn the gospel, I'd... I think I find that nauseating. Like that's irresponsible, right? So, like, why is it that that we that we still fancy the perfection of of Paul? Why is it that we still fault Peter for his imperfections? And I say we. I mean, mainly it's me. I'm the one that told you this is. These are the thoughts that that you know my brain has. Um, so, what is if, if we look at this and we say that Peter's model of how to do this is better? What's that mean for us? Right? So how does that how does that translate into kind of real world stuff? So I, I thought about it for a little while, and, and this is kind of a hodgepodge. If, if it was a song, it'd be a mashup. This is a bunch of different scriptures. You're just gonna have to trust me that I'm not making it up. So, um, so one thing is, we just gotta not be embarrassed about our weaknesses, right? So like. Like, we're living this out in public. We're the, we're, we're the Peters of the group, right? Like, our, when we mess up and we get things wrong, like, it, it's out in the open. Because okay. we're not trying to seclude ourselves. We're not trying to live behind kind of a wall of privacy as we learn how to get this stuff right. And so okay. if it takes us 17 years to get it right, there's going to be 17 years where people see us get it wrong. And that's going to have to be okay. Yeah. And it's also going to have to be okay for the people next to you to be getting it wrong. Because it's really easy for us, I think, it is for me, to extend grace to people that kind of aren't part of the church, right? Like you're messing up. All right, well, you don't have, you don't have knowledge of the ways you're messing up. I don't fault you. But then like what happens when the people that are part of the church do something wrong by you, right? Can you, can you bear with their weakness? Can you extend grace there? Yes. I, I, this is tough, right? Yes. So, so when you've done right by somebody else, when you've worked for their good, and then you hear that they, you know, whether it's just saying something bad about you, or, or you checked up on them, and when you needed help, they weren't there for you, or, or when like you were doing something, we really needed God. I mean, if you're helping to lead something with the church, and they said, "I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. I'm going to help out," and then the day shows up, and you really need the help, and tumbleweeds and nothing. If you've ever tried to, uh, to kind of get volunteers together for anything, church-related or not, you know the frustration of that. In that moment, can you extend grace? Yes. Or can you bear with the weakness of your brother? And can you say, man, they don't have it together. Man, I ain't got it together either. We're going to have to work this thing out. Okay. All right? Like, can you, ex can you extend that to them? Some people are going to have more trouble extending it to themselves. Some of us are going to have a little more trouble extending it to others. Um... So, yeah, don't be surprised when people have shortcomings. Like, we get to work the gospel out, not just with the world around us, but in our midst. Like, that idea of forgiveness and grace and all of this, as long as we are imperfect, as long as we're working this out, we're going to need it from each other. That doesn't just go um, to people outside uh, of the wall. So, this, this is kind of a, I wanted to make sure to, to, to make this statement here. There are two sides to this coin. You are, one, you're imperfect. I'm imperfect. The people beside you are imperfect. This is not an I. This is not like, well, 
uh, other than the person beside Cody, everyone in here is an invert. But 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 when, when you deal when you deal with this, like this is not me saying I have sin. It, it is, but I will also sin. I'm not aware of it, like in this moment. But it's probably accurate for me to say a lot of times I am sinning, right? So like this this kind of thing where I have imperfections. This is not like guys. I have to confess I broke the speed limit seven months ago. This is not like no. Right? Like, we're deeply, like, functionally messed up. Uh-oh. All right? So, like, the fact that you are too does not disqualify you from serving. I want to say this without any equivocation. If we came in here this morning and we required you to be without sin in order to get up on the stage, there would be no music, there would be no singing, I would not be up here now. Yep. Right? We would get in here and we would look at an empty stage. Yep. And the only thing we'd be reminded of is, man, we're messed up. That's yep. it. All right, so you're dis like you're not disqualified because you're working through this stuff. Okay. All right, you're messed up. I'm messed up. Person beside you messed up. We all have to work anyway. All right, the other side of that coin, just because it's not disqualifying, does not mean it is okay. You are called to holiness. I am called to holiness. We are all called not just to holiness. The word that is used is perfection. All right. Okay. The fact that it's like not disqualifying doesn't mean that our aiming point changes. We are always aiming to reflect the holiness of our Jesus. Amen. Right? Amen. And the fact that we fall short does not keep us from having the responsibility to follow. Amen. Making sure that that's something um, that is fairly clear. Uh, and just keep in mind there, one of the most beautiful sentiments in all the New Testament in my book is that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. Amen. Keep that in Amen. Mind. Um, all right. So. With this, make sure that we're still working on that. But there, there's a last thing that, that I want to say it is this. You probably don't conceive of yourself as the person that is going to be able to, to do the good that you know needs to be done. Very few of us do. And In fact, if, if you think that I am the person to change you know, everything in the world around me, it's either you're way better than, than I am or you've got some kind of hubris issues. Like there's, there's a lot of like, man, you think really highly of yourself. That might be uh, a shortcoming. But like it, very few of us like see all of the good that's in us. Um, and, and, and I want to make sure that this is, this is an interesting statement that Jesus makes to Peter. This is in John, I want to say 21. I said 21 to the first service and nobody looked it up and called me on it. So I'm going to say John 21. And, and, and so it's after Jesus uh, is resurrected, but before the ascension, and he comes to, to Peter and he makes, uh, it's a statement, it's actually another way where I think Peter kind of gets a little touchy and it might be a bit of a mess up. I've always kind of thought I wouldn't react this way. Might, but I thought I wouldn't. Uh, Jesus comes to him and says, all right, uh, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes, I love you. Okay, feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? You know I do. Yeah, yes, yes. We, that's the third one, Willie. We're getting to you, man. Uh, so he said, yes, uh, we'll feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? It's like, you, and, and kind of seems frustrated. Maybe it's me reading that into it, but it says, you know that I do, Lord. Good. Good. Tend my sheep. Tend, Tend my, my flock, sheep. right? Take care of my flock. Okay. And, and, and then Jesus says this thing, and this is the Peter who, with it, like, we're talking three days earlier, Deny Jesus three times, right? So he's not perfect. Um, And he looks at Peter and and he says something to this effect. Like, when you were a child, 
um, people took you by the hand and took you where you needed to go. When you are old, people will take you by the hand and lead you somewhere you do not want to go. Okay. And, and he's foretelling that, that Peter is going to be martyred. He's going to be killed for his faith much later in life. Uh, in fact, this is, we think, right after he writes the books of First and Second Peter. And he looked at this man who had just denied him, and, and he sees in Peter a goodness yes. and a willpower that Peter does not and cannot see in himself. That, that Jesus understands Peter's true nature far better at that moment than Peter does. Okay. So when, when you have that moment where you think, I am not the person to be dealing with this. I am incapable of affecting change in this way. I cannot act out the gospel right here. Okay. All right. Jesus, if, if you're responsible for that, if you are a disciple, you following Jesus would mean to do that thing. Jesus knows more of your true nature than you possibly can. Amen. Amen. He sees farther down the road than you do. He knows more of you than you do. And we would think, like, Matthew says it all the time, and I completely agree. Like, I don't know that I'd want to, like, walk beside Jesus because that moment where, like, he reads thoughts and knows minds, like, I'm not down with that. It's not, like, I don't want that to happen with me. They don't walk by me, I mean, look, I thought you told me what you were thinking. I don't, but now, but, like, the thing is, with this, like, I always think that Jesus would look at me and see those things and see the bad, but Jesus also knows more of the good in me than I do. Yeah. And has more faith in me than I do. And don't focus on the ways that I mess up. Right? Like that's like just don't get bogged down in that because if Jesus called you to do something and you don't think you can, it's because you don't know as much about yourself as, as he does. Amen. That's pretty simple, but, but it's also extraordinarily profound. Now on all of this, let me say it, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying don't learn more. It is important to know our faith. It's important to know what the gospel says. It's important to, to, to go out and to, to read and to, to understand and to gather all the information that you can. But there's such a thing, like there are some people where, man, that is their calling. But for some of us, like you, you'll get in there and you'll start reading a book and it's really complicated and you feel really smart, but then it's not making you smarter because you also don't understand any of it. Like that's like about most of us have read books that way or, or Shakespeare if you're in, you know, when I was in high school. But like, like it feels smart, but it's not making me smarter. Okay. And like there's such a thing with that if you're like into like deep theology or you go to like there's some sermons that I've listened to like, oh, man, that's deep stuff. I don't understand any of it. Okay. <laughs> like always understand more, but also understand this about the gospel. It's a beautiful story, and I choose to believe it's true. Yeah. Um, there's a theologian named Karl Barth, and Barth was one of those people that reads those books that's more complicated than I, that's the thing where I have to pause and read that half page again, that kind of stuff. And he was at the University of Chicago in the 60s, and a student asked him, hey, it, could you summarize all your work into a, a sentence? Well, that's a heck of a thing to ask somebody at the end of a year as a theologian. And he says, yeah, that's not tough. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen. We'll stop. And that's the beautiful thing about the gospel. Now, can you learn more about it no matter where you are? Yes, undeniably. But here's what you have to know. You were born into sin. Yeah. You were broken and imperfect. Jesus took that sin upon himself, died the death that was prescribed for you, defeated death by rising again, and has charged you to carry out the gospel. Amen. That's it. And that's the beautiful thing about it is you can live your whole life and always 
have more that you could know, but then you could also go back to children's church and teach them the basics. Amen. Both those things are true. Yes. Right? So the fact that you don't know everything does not preclude you, does not stop you from getting out there and doing the work of the gospel. And, and I, I genuinely mean it that um, if looking at it, uh, and, and I still think that, man, Peter didn't have it together. Um, but if you gave me a choice between having a church full of Peters or a church full of Pauls, I'm going to take Peter every time. It's just the way it's going to be. Pray with me real quick. God, this morning. Thanks for tuning in to Refuge Point Church's broadcast. We hope you were both challenged and encouraged by today's message. We would love for you to join us at one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play.